Jacob Hansen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So you you've uh you've caused quite a quite a talk in the in the Latter Day Saint world, and I wanted to bring you on and because I I shared your I shared your your video. Um, mm -hmm. Can you can you just kind of tell the audience that might be coming across this and and I would like anybody who has not seen his video to stop everything, stop this, and how do they find it so that they can watch it? Yeah, so I have a, a a YouTube channel called Thoughtful Faith, and if they just look up Thoughtful Faith, um, the video is titled "Can We Go On Like This?" Um, and it basically that's that's the easiest way to find it is on YouTube. Okay, so now that you've watched it, now that you're back, <laughs> um, uh, here we are. I think that this applies to Christian churches everywhere. Really, this 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 these questions that uh, Jacob is asking is applying to all Christian faiths, in my opinion, because this is starting to happen everywhere. And so let's, let's get into it a little bit. Jake, tell, tell, tell us uh, who you are, why you tick the way that you do, just so people can get to know you a little bit. Yeah. So um, my name is Jacob Hansen and I have a uh, YouTube channel that I run. I also moderate a Facebook forum where we discuss issues uh, relevant to Latter-day Saints. Um, but also to people of other faiths as well. Um, a lot of the stuff that I talk about has to do with belief in God and general Christianity. Uh, so it's not something that is necessarily entirely for Latter-day Saints. Mm -hmm. um, and what uh, I do is my my kind of stated goal on my website, if people want to check it out, it's thoughtful-faith.com. Um, you can learn a little bit more about me there and kind of my mission. But my mission is to, is to strengthen Latter-day Saints feeling the pressures of this crazy world that we're in by instilling courage and confidence in the reality of God, Jesus Christ, the restoration of his church. And I do this by contrasting truth and falsehood, right? So a lot of my videos are, that's basically what they do. They contrast truths that are taught with falsehoods in the world and, and kind of juxtapose them so that mm. people can, you know, see more clearly because contrast tends to do that. And so this recent video that I made, um, it it just highlights the the confusion I think that there is, and I don't think that that confusion in the church is coming from the pulpit. Um, if you actually look, and that's why in my video I cite the general authorities of the church and the prophet, um, and like what they're saying over the the pulpit is very consistent. Um, however, I think that there is an activist class within the church, and I think within a lot of Christian churches, they're dealing with this, um, an activist class within the church that take advantage of any sort of kindness mm -hmm. uh, extended towards people who deal with same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria, mm -hmm. and they use it as a endorsement of those attitudes and behaviors, and then they try within the church uh, to, to foment, basically to foment change amongst the kind of lower levels of the institution and to try and convince people that they should believe things that are not true, um, because of it. And I think it, it just, that's a great point because I saw this, uh, it was an Instagram post, um, maybe Mr. Jerry Chong. I don't know if you saw it, but it's called the fourth option. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. 
So the fourth option, the fourth option is an account that may resonate with many of you, but then it goes on. We begin to realize that and accept our sexualities. We feel that as Latter-day Saints, we were presented with three options and only three options for what the future must be. First, we choose to remain single and celibate for our entire lives. Second, we choose to date outside of our attractions uh, to pursue a mixed orientation marriage, meaning the first marrying a straight person um, and choosing a marriage without romantic love and attraction. Third, we choose to date people we loved and were attracted to and then leave the church for us and many others. We know all of these choices carry a burden and betraying our uh, part of ourselves. We certainly don't mean that they aren't right for anyone. Many choose these options and are happy, but for us, they've never felt right. And even though there were, there were no other options after years of praying, pleading and soul searching, we were led to a fourth option. Love the way we were, love the way we were created to love and stay. And so I, from what it sounds like, and then it's basically saying, Hey, come to this, this is the fourth option. So we are going to live this way. Does this make sense? Is this what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, and that's that the, the, and so what a lot of people in the church are doing and they're kind of behind closed doors. I've heard people who've talked to some of these people, um, uh, that basically are waiting for the brethren to the, the, the their thought is that the younger generation is going to replace these old guys that are out of touch and they're going to bring about the change that we need in the church. And it's a very faithless position because it's sort of the idea that the brethren are not inspired right now. In the words, the family proclamation is not inspired. It's a bigoted document and they constantly try and undermine it. And the idea is, is that, we just need to hold out. Mm. Let's let's stay in the church. That's right. And let's continue to Depressed. sort of soften up, mm-hmm. soften up things so that you know eventually it will come. But it's it's going to come as they see from sort of the bottom up rather than from the top down. And I don't know about you, but that isn't I, that's not Christianity. It, Christianity yeah. and and Christ doesn't work from the from the bottom up as much as he works from the top down through his prophets and apostles when it comes to matters of, of church policy and doctrine and general revelation to the world. Yes. Okay. So let's break one thing down really quick. And I know that I, I kind of cut you off a little bit on you were explaining what you did. And then I, I, I got into that fourth option thing. Is there anything else that you want to explain to the audience about your mission and about, this video did did i cut you off at all no no and 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 frankly um i i don't know that there's much more to say except for that i make this content um to try and strengthen people yeah and, uh, and get people and their thinking faith. right and, get and, people and, and yes and in a thoughtful way <laughs> in a way like if you're so my content that i put out isn't uh on thoughtful faith it is not uh your typical kind of come follow me podcast that there's like 20,000 of where someone reads the scriptures and tells you what they think about it. Right. It, it is, it's more of an analysis of the intersection of our religion with society, the things that are actually going on in the world, as well as with uh, kind of the deeper fundamental sort of philosophical ideas that the church uh, espouses and kind of the deeper meanings behind some of these things. So uh, it's, people have found my content to be very different. It's, it's not like a lot of other LDS content out there. Uh, but I have gotten enormously positive feedback on it. Um, I am genuinely like 
just my heart is full when I get these messages from people. They tell me how much some video that I made helped them. Mm -hmm. um, and this one was a little bit different because this one was one where um, I had to point out something that is going on inside of the church that I think is is confusing people. And, and But again, I, I'm not saying that this is the brethren are the cause of it. I think that people kind of in lower levels of the church and an activist kind of class within the church are there, that they're really the ones that are fomenting con confusion every time the brethren try and find ways and rightfully try and find ways to welcome our, our people who struggle with these attractions, but do it in such a way that it doesn't cross the line of our doctrines and, and beliefs. Yes, I, I, I like it. One thing that I've had a hard time with is that we all struggle with something, right? So why are we catering to a specific struggle? It's like, we all have something. We all are dealing with something somewhere. And so I, what I have a hard time with is when, when there's an identification, I think the church had a, it was, do you remember the Mormons and gays at one point? Uh-huh. The reason why I have a hard time with that stuff is because that is not, that is not how we identify as children. We don't identify with what we're struggling with or what it is who or who or what we're sexually attracted to. Um, so I, I love having these discussions because it makes people think, okay, who am I? Who am I as a child of God? I don't know if you've seen Elder Bednar, but he, he, it was in a different language. Like he, it was a translation that there is no such thing as a homo homosexual member of the church. Have you seen this? Mm -hmm. It's really good. Yeah. Because it makes sense. It's like, no, no, no. That's not how we identify our, ourselves. Yeah. And, and that, that's a huge thing. Okay. So anyone who's been following the current kind of cultural war, and obviously people who listen to your, your, your show are watching that there's a game of language manipulation that is constantly being played. The people on the other side of, of this and in the embrace ideologies that I, I frankly think are satanic in nature, they recognize that language is power. And so they try and manipulate the language and change mm -hmm. it. And we have to be very careful that we don't fall into that. For instance, I, and, 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 I, and I don't fault people for that do this because you, you do it innocently, right? Like everyone's starting to refer to people as trans and transgender. And so therefore we go along and we use that same terminology, but there's a problem because baked into the language itself is a lie, is an, is an assumption that a person can transcend their gender. Mm -hmm. You can't. And so what we should do, in my opinion, is that we should refer to people as, you know, to, to avoid creating confusion, we should call them men dressed as women or women who are dressed as men, because mm -hmm. that is what is going on. This is not a new kind of person. This is a man who is put on makeup and is dressed as a woman. Mm -hmm. And, and the thing is, is people are like, well, that's rude and all that. And it's like that, here's the thing. If you're doing it out of politeness sake, that's one thing. But the thing is, they're not asking you to just do it for politeness sake. They literally want you to believe that a man is actually a woman. It's woman face. Remember it's the whole black face? The whole black face? You can't put black face on so then people are getting canceled for, for oh, look, they had, this is woman face. 
we just haven't got around to the part where this is wrong. It's, it's rude. In my opinion, it's rude to dress as a woman. It's worse than that. I don't care about people being rude. I don't care about people who dress up like a woman that are just having a funny time and laughing about it. They literally want you to believe they are women. And they want you to use certain words because if you use those words, it helps create confusion in the minds of people that this person actually is a woman. You're not a woman. And the thing is, like, a person's name can change. Fine. You know, you got a boy named Sue. You got a boy named Sue. That's fine. But you're still a boy, Mm -hmm. right? Changing your name, performing surgeries that take perfectly healthy organs and destroy them, and then putting on a bunch of makeup. It doesn't make you a woman. A woman is something. That's where that 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 incredible like Nat Walsh did that documentary that everyone laughs about. But that that's what actually a, a profound philosophical question. What is a woman? And if you are a Latter Day Saint, that question has been answered. If you're a Christian who believes in the Bible, that question has been asked and answered. And there is a move intentionally to distort just what is real. And so this. The reason I care about this issue so much has nothing to do with the way people want to express themselves. I am very politically libertarian, okay? Socially, I'm conservative. Politically, I'm libertarian. I generally, I want people to freely choose to live virtuous lives, but I want them to do it by their own free choice, right? Liberty is a precursor to virtue. But what the real issue is, is when you're telling people lies. You can't lie to people. You can't tell men that they're women. That's, that's exactly right. That, that's exactly right. We had a, I had a guy in my ward who he really opened up during class. And he, I guess one of his children are now dating a trans, you know, trans person and just opened up, started crying. Wife started crying. And he's like, I don't know what to do. What do we do? So he opens it up to the whole place or to the whole, you know, group there. There's probably 30 people in the room and everybody just kept saying, well, we just need to love them. We just need to love them. We just need to I love agree. them. I agree. And hold on, hold on. Let me finish. And <laughs> yeah, I finally, I finally got to the point where I'm just like, I raised my hand and I'm just like, what is love? And I just said, love is truth. And I, and I quoted a man named Rick Warren and I, it's not verbatim, but a man named Rick Warren said that our, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with somebody's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. And the second is to love somebody means to accept everything they do or say. He said, both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. And so Amen. in other words, in, that, in other words, love is truth. And so if you really, truly want to love somebody, you need to truly tell them the truth that they can't change into the opposite sex. Uh, your biological, your D, it's in your, bi- your biology, your DNA on a physical level and spiritually. And this is why I love that you, you know, quoted Elder Oaks and some of these things, because it's this, this is in our spiritual DNA that we are, that men are men and women are women. Yeah. And with members struggling in this, just remember that the things that you and I are talking about right now, this is the position of the highest authorities of the church. Okay. This is the official teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint that men are men and women are women. 
and it's based on your biological makeup and that your spirit and body align in that way. And when you talk about, you know, we just need to love them. Okay. You ask the exact right question. People, here's my, here's my rule of thumb. You shouldn't use words that you don't know the meaning of. If you can't define it, you shouldn't use it. And what you should do whenever someone talks about love, you should ask them, what do you mean by love? What is the verb to love? What does that mean? Now, I've thought about that because I use that word. But the thing is, I don't care about what I think about it. It's the question of is what does the what is what does it mean when Christ says that the great commandments are to love God and to love our fellow man? You know, what does he mean by that? He obviously doesn't mean just accept people whatever they do. That's absurd. And it's a really profound question, like great question to ponder and study. And as I studied that question, I came upon Thomas Aquinas, who gave a great definition of love that's very common in the tr Christian tradition. I think it's totally consistent with what we believe. And that is to will the good of the other mm -hmm. without thought of your own recompense. So basically the idea is you desire the good for another person, but then that begs a question. There's a question there. What is the good, right? I want what is best for you. I want you to have the highest and best. I want you to reach your fullest potential. Latter-day Saints believe that our fullest potential is manifest in the celestial order of being, mm. the celestial way of, of being in the universe, mm. and that it will last eternally. And so when you love someone, you will that they align with that so that they can enjoy what that has. A person who lacks faith in the existence of the celestial order is the kind of person who will say to someone, you know what, just do whatever you want to do now because we're only here for 80 years anyway and you know, just make the best of this 80-year period that you have here on earth, enjoy it as much as you can, and then we die, right? But that's not the vision of a Latter-day Saint. President uh, Nelson talks about thinking celestial. They said that everything we do in the church has to do with that celestial order, with being celestial. And so, anything so those short of, you, of- Really quick. So those of oh, yeah, you that ahead. don't understand what he's saying. So I think it's a 1 Corinthians 15, 40. It talks about the degrees of glory. Paul saw- a man that was caught up to a third heaven. So we as Latter-day Saints, as Christians, we believe that there's degrees of glory. And in the highest degree of glory is where kings and queens reside. That is where Heavenly Father wants to, that's where he wants us to go. That's He wants us to become something. This is why for people like, why do you care? Why do you care about this stuff? Because it matters a lot to us. Because this is this little lip of earth means it's means a lot but in time eternity is what matters and so we talk about this order this higher law of order where kings and queens reside it's where procreation can go forever so in other words if when you are when you are resurrected as a resurrected being you can continue on in procreation forever that's what we believe and so that's why this topic matters a lot and we believe that the highest, we believe as the, as the Bible teaches that man, it's not good for man to be alone, right? Mm. That we are, we actually are incomplete. And it's funny, anyone who's single kind of knows this. There's something missing. There's that other half that's meant to be there. And Jesus was the one who said, 
Um, for in the beginning, and I might mess quote up a little bit, but he basically says, in the beginning, God created them male and female. For this reason, will they be joined together and made one flesh? Okay. The reason male and female exist, it's like a yin and a yang. They're two complementary natures that when brought together, form something that's bigger than the, either of the two individual parts. That And obviously, like that's true in a biological sense, but it's also true in a spiritual sense. There's a masculine energy and there is a feminine energy, kind of spiritually speaking. Male spirits and female spirits are different. We are different, okay? And it is the joining of those two that creates something higher. So theologically, to break this, to, to be against this is simply as our as the the brethren teach over the pulpit to uh it's it's violating what they call an essential doctrine part of the essence of what our faith is about is about our natures as men and women and the complementary nature of them and if you want to talk about something satanic I mean, look in the world today at the way that that is being distorted when that is the basis of family, of the continuation. I mean, let's just talk about biology. If you don't have children, your civilization ends. You, you've literally joined a death cult. And, and so that's, that's not bigoted. That's the truth. That's, that's just reality. That's the, it's, it's, you're damned. You're stuck. It's over. There's no more. I, I love in the scriptures how it talks about joy and joy is usually attached to family and children and it keeps going. Now, some people say, well, I don't want that. Okay. That's you get to choose. That's the beautiful gift of choice. You get to choose, but don't change what I think and don't make me appear to be a bigot because I disagree with it. So, it's interesting because we believe in giving people their freedom of choice because freedom is a precondition to virtue. But we we encourage people to use their agency to choose the highest. That's what Latter-day Saints are trying to do. Now, in the Latter-day Saint conception, the idea is there are three degrees of glory, and we believe that they all are degrees of glory. Like mm -hmm. we, we often say, like, yep, pretty much everybody goes to heaven, except for the sons of perdition, and that's a whole other subject. But basically, everybody goes to heaven. But the question is, is like, what degree of glory are you going to attain to? And the idea of the Latter-day Saints is that we are the people that are striving for the highest. We that's, that's what our mission is. And so we baptize people. We encourage people to live the celestial level of being, mm -hmm. which is the highest. That doesn't mean that there aren't good and honorable people. I know pl plenty of people that are involved in same-sex relationships. And frankly... I have a very hard time saying, you know, if I was in those shoes, I I don't know that I, I would probably do the same thing. I, I probably, I don't know that I could live a, a celibate life or do things other ways. I don't know. I don't, I don't judge you for that. But an ideal is still an ideal, even if I struggle to live up to it. And you can't say that the homosexual union is the ideal. It doesn't procreate. Even on a biological level, you can't, like... Is it better in your life to have children or not? It's better to have posterity if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in, in this. It, it, if, is it better for the species to continue or not? Right? And so if we're talking about the ideal 
and the and the gospel is meant for us to live up to our ideals, then it all makes sense when they when they say in the family proclamation that gender is an essential characteristic of pre-mortal, mortal, and post-mortal identity and purpose. And that, like, that's it. That's what we're trying to do. And there are people who don't understand it and who are intentionally well, working a, to corrupt it. And it's it. a commandment. It's it's not just Latter-day Saints. It's what Jesus told us to do. I mean, this is a commandment from, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And the word perfect, I believe in Greek, means fully developed or completed. Yep. And when, when a tree is fully developed, it produces fruit. I mean, so it's it, it shows that the that we can become like the predecessor. It's that this is how it, this is our natural. If we continue on in the faith, we become one with God. That's what Jesus was trying to teach. So, so this is this is our faith. This is what we believe, and this is why when we see these things in Christian churches, it's so strange. It's like I I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. It's like it. it what, like when you when you showed the uh, the trans, you know, the man that that became a woman and then got baptized, I still have so many questions about that. I have questions are okay, so did he have to denounce? Did what are some of the things that you that that stop you from baptism? Well, think like if if you're still committing actively sinful behaviors and you have not renounce them and or shown a, a desire to stop them that is manifest in actual actions, then you can't get baptized. And that has to do the, the kind of the specific things that when you're missionaries, you deal with this kind of stuff is like smoking, for instance. If you don't give up smoking, then you can't get baptized until you stop smoking for a certain period of time to show that you really are serious about stopping smoking. Um, same thing with alcohol. Same thing if you're if you're having sex. Same thing if you're living together in a in a if you're if you're not married and you're living with someone, you can't get baptized until you change that behavior. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's why as... I, that's why I had questions because it was approved, but yet it doesn't. So that does not make sense to me because if okay, well, it's because this person already transitioned be, before becoming a member. But if you're a member and you and you socially or physically transition, then there's punishment. So then you could basically lose your membership. Am I right? I don't know that they lose their membership, but there is there are membership restrictions that are put on people, and you and there is a confusion here. Okay. Well, and, uh, and let me let me finish my thoughts. So yeah, go, then, ahead, go ahead. So if they're like, well, if he can do it, or if she can do it, well, then how about I exit the church and then come back? Because then how can that person be stopped? <laughs> And, and I know you're laughing, but, but what happens if, okay, well, they said, well, he can't do any temple ordinances. Well, what if, what if he, or she, I have to do that because it's so confusing. Um, well, what if, what if now she wants to marry a woman, but he's a, he, and she's a, she can now, does that make sense? So is that going to be the first lesbian wedding? It's the the reality is is that it isn't complicated when you just stick to what the doctrine actually says on the subject of who uh, the you know if he's a he or a she it's a he and he's dressing like a woman and he has come in this man and has been baptized claiming to be a woman now there here here's an interesting question 
uh, or, or something I thought about it. Do I have an issue? Well, I guess I'll put it this way first. The brethren deal with the most crazy questions that all of us regular members don't have to think about because you're not dealing with the entire world's population and every crazy scenario. So a person comes and they dress like a woman and they want to get baptized. And it's a man who dresses like a woman. Is there some reason that that person, just for dressing like a woman, couldn't get baptized? And what's the line at which it's like, well, you can't wear this kind of clothes that kind of are like, you know what I mean? Like, the, and, and frankly, it's like, I would like for a person who's dealing with gender dysphoria to be baptized into the church. I don't see if there's any reason if they're struggling with that to, to be able to be baptized. But, and so they have to create a policy, right? around this. And I think that this is something that's difficult to sort out. And and there's going to be some confusion and sorting of it out. I and but I do think the church's policy right now in the handbook, you can read about it, is that a transgender person can join the church. But they must not be seeking transition at that time. And um now as far as this person was put on the records of the church as female according to him now and and this and these baptisms of transgender people require first presidency approval now people have made the false assumption that that means that the brethren approve of that person that man being put on the records of the church as a female that is not i i do not think you can jump to that conclusion all the first presidency does is they approve that a particular person can get baptized if they have made a transition Okay, that is required in the church. But do you know who puts in the records? Like it isn't President Nelson there like filling out the membership records of the latest baptism. Hmm. Who is it that enters it into the system? Local leadership. And so what I believe has happened in that instance, and I'm and this is speculation, I don't know for sure, is that the first presidency, for one reason or another, decided to approve this baptism. Okay. And then a local leader being either confused or truly believing, well, this must be a woman. Everyone in the ward's treating him like a woman. He put his records down as female. And so now we have a scenario where there's a serious error that's been made that should, in my opinion, be corrected once this is you know made known and people know about it, right? And then maybe that's happening behind the scenes. I don't know. Now, right. this is a big um, deal. This is a big deal. The reason why it's a big deal, I just got another message, okay? And I sent it to you. It just says, I have a friend, and I don't know who this is, and I don't know if this is true. So just just take it for what it is. I have a friend whose nephew got married in the temple. Did you see that message I sent you? Oh, yeah. Later that day that he came home to his parents, locked himself in the room for three days. Turns out he married a man he thought was a woman. This is why it matters a lot. Well, I certainly don't know if that story's true. If oh, it I don't is, know. Obviously I, I don't know either. But this, I'm some... just, I mean, this is a message that was sent to me. Now, whether it's true or not, this is why it matters. Yeah, things have to be defined here. I mean, marriage in the church is defined as between a man and a woman. I think that's an important thing to remember. The church is not saying we only think men and women can get married. That's not the church's position. The church's position is that marriage is defined 
as the union of a man and a woman. With That's God. a much stronger statement. That's saying that if you have two men that are saying we're married, it's not a marriage in the eyes of God or the church. Yeah, it's a civil union, which I don't care. I, I think government should get out of all marriage. I, I And the church, my understanding of 2008 was that the church was fine with civil unions. But the, it, and so essentially it was never about legal rights. Because we granted the we we said yeah have all the legal rights we just we just just changed the term to civil union and they said no that's not good enough why well because we want the term marriage so that we can culturally alter mm. the moral landscape mm. that we operate in mm. and they were a hundred and ten percent successful California could not get Californians. To approve of gay marriage in 2008, Barack Obama ran as a pro or an anti-gay marriage candidate mm -hmm. in with 2008. Bi with Biden, by the way. With Biden. Okay. There has been a total transformation. The church was so right, it's not even funny. They foresaw that what would happen in the culture is that if you allow the state to redefine marriage the culture will redefine marriage. And We're not fine only with the... marriage, not only marriage, but now what has happened? Gender. What is a woman? And then guess what's happening next, gang, whether you like it or not? Well, what I believe. Age. Because if there's if if the definitions can change of, of marriage, if the definitions can change of gender, why not age, Jacob? Why not age? I don't see any reason why a person, I mean, it's arbitrary. It's all ultimately social construction. I feel like I'm this age. I feel like I'm this race. This is why it matters. This is why definitions matter. And frankly, like age is actually a much more, you actually can make arguments about age because 18, that's just like what a number that what it's an arbitrary number that the society just is like, yeah, 18 is an adult. Right. That's just like what we made up right now. But you know what isn't made up? Your DNA. <laughs> like it's literally what you are as a male. And, you know, you're either a male or a female. And and I always say this, the gay marriage stuff. And even um, it, I had a real turning point when I realized this. It was that it was that scripture that Jesus said. He said, for this reason, God had, God created them male and female. The fundamental fact isn't marriage or like, ew, some sex is gross. The fundamental thing is gender. Hmm. You could ask the question, why did, why does gender exist? Like, why did, why did God order things in such a way as to make us male and female? And it's funny as Jesus answered that question. He said, so that you could be joined together as one. That's the whole purpose of gender. It's so that two people that are actually different, but complementary, can be brought together. And again, if you redefine marriage in the church, like how, who are we to redefine what God has defined? And, and it's like people are asking a question as if that these questions have not been answered. Like the brethren need to ask the, the Lord if we can have gay marriage. It's like, um, you guys, he gave the answer, asked and answered these questions.
So at this point, I don't think you're a good faith actor. You're not really curious. You just don't like the answer that you got. I know. I think about this a lot because people are, is it going to come? Is gay marriage coming? It's like, if it does come, in my opinion, it's going to be one of those things like uh, the 116 pages. You ask so many times, all right, fine, go do it and see what's going to happen. That's the, ol that's the only way I could see it ever happening. But frankly, I don't think it will. Like, and I, Not only do I not think it will, I will look right into the camera and just say, it's not going to happen. And your prophets and apostles have said those exact words multiple times. You can come and check out my channel on the channel. I have literally just a super cut of every time they've said that over the past 15 years. It's just absurd. So what do you say you, to the, you're not a good faith actor person, when you, when what do you, you say otherwise. to the person? Well, well, blacks and the priesthood ha tell what's, what's your counter to that? I, I know what it is, but I'd like to hear you say, well, it happened with blacks and the priesthood. So surely it's going to happen with this. So there have been two changes in the church that people bring up to compare to it. And I'll address the first one, which is blacks and the priesthood. First of all, did Joseph Smith ordain black people to the priesthood? Are you asking me? Yes, he did. Yes. Yes. He did. He ordained black people to the priesthood. So first of all, there's already a precedence there. Second of all, any of the scriptures used to justify it, you know, Egyptus and, and the Harris of Cain and all that kind of stuff. The problem is that none of those refer to sub-Saharan Africans. Egyptians are not sub-Saharan Africans, okay? And the brethren and, and the church has come to realize that. The reason the ban was put in place had to do, guess what? With the culture of the 1850s. In other words, it was the culture that was pressuring the church in that social context that brought about these changes, right? And so are we going to do the same, make the same mistake and allow cultural pressure to allow us to, to change things that have not been given by revelation? There's no revelation on the, on the, on blacks and the priesthood being denied, none whatsoever. And so that doctrinal change that happened, because there were doctrines of the church that that the church now has rejected. It does not hold to the, the justifications that were given behind the priesthood ban. And frankly, even the priesthood ban itself, the, the teachings on that subject were that one day they will. The only question was, is when? Now, people thought, well, it'll be, you know, in the millennia or something like that. But, and also, again, in precedent, the priesthood hasn't been held universally, historically. Okay? It was only for a certain tribe of people at one time, and then it was only for the Jews, and then it expanded to the Gentiles, right? So there's all sorts of precedents. Is there any precedence? Is there anything in scripture with gay marriage? No. Asked and answered. Polygamy is the same way. Go read Jacob 2, right? Jacob 2, obviously, any church leader that was teaching that uh, the only way you can attain celestial glory is to is to enter into a plural marriage. I just would ask, did they ever read Jacob 2? Because <laughs> Jacob 2 is very clear. In Scripture, it says exactly what all the Scriptures show is that polygamy is something that God has authorized at certain times for certain purposes, but that monogamy is the norm, which is what our church teaches today. And so we haven't actually even technically abandoned polygamy per se. We just simply believe that now is not a time when the Lord has wants his people to practice that principle. And, and that's it. Okay. And so, those are totally different. There's, yeah, and there's so, no precedence. There's nothing. 
So it's and, completely and that, two separate things. It's just two separate things, but people think, well, it's the same as blacks and the priesthood, and it's like they're we're it's completely two separate issues. Well, people have this dumb people just aren't very thoughtful about it. They think, well, that changed. Why can't this change? Mm. It's just like, oh, really? That's your logic. Well, you know what? That changed. Why couldn't they change our doctrine that we worship Jesus Christ and the Father? Why don't we just, you know, may, maybe the Trinity's coming back. That's you know, right. that could change, right? Anything can change. Change, change, change. Maybe my wife was, and then here's the problem with this. If anything can change, then you don't have the truth because the truth doesn't change. And frankly, if you have people that are telling you one day, we worship Jesus. The next day they say we worship Joseph Smith. The next day they say we worship Gandhi. The next day they say that God is the giant spaghetti monster. What that says is that those people have no idea what the heck they're talking about. So every time the church changes a fundamental doctrine, there's a problem. However, however, we also recognize that men are fallible. And so we would expect for changes to come to correct mistakes that were made in the past. I always, this is the standard that I use. I do not believe that prophets are infallible. I also, but I do believe that they are reliable. And when I say reliable, I mean the most reliable source for understanding transcendent spiritual truths relevant to our salvation more than anybody else. If you can point me to a better source than the prophetic tradition for understanding the nature of God and the things that of of God and the things that pertain to my spirit, by all means, I'll join your church, you know, or, or whatever your religion is. Well, but, and I think it's important too to this is a time to prepare to make decisions. Like God, He really, really wants us to make decisions. Where is that at in the scriptures? Is it DT fifty eight, where it is oh, not I, me that you're commanded in all things? Yes. Today, today is the day of, we need to choose. God wants us to become something. And, and, and in my opinion, there's a reason why there's a reason why there's all of this confusion going on right now. And what do we do? Well, they're asking us to take medical experiences that experiments. Is that something that is for, for my salvation? This is really important that we as saints go to the source, look to the scriptures, Look to what prophets have said, and then you need to make your decision based on the spirit and the light inside of you. Well, and, and uh, uh, Joseph Smith famously said that he teaches men correct principles and then they can govern themselves. This is a very important thing, distinction to make because when what Joseph was saying is that the prophets reveal to us the principles. These are the fundamental spiritual truths that govern how like what we're going to do in our lives but mm -hmm. it is up to us to figure out how to apply those truths to specific contexts that we find ourselves in okay that is where we exercise our agency we have to run the algorithm it's sort of like the principles are like the the code of the algorithm we need to take the principles into our hearts but then we need to go out with those principles in our hearts and go out into the world and then apply them right and that's the great test Will we take in the principles and then will we actually apply them and live out this celestial order, right? And so the prophets, their, their primary role 
isn't to command you in all things and tell you what stocks to invest in or even your medical decisions in every way, although they may counsel certain things. Um, and I and there's a lot to that. But their primary function is to give us the transcendent truths of spiritual matters. And gender, the nature of gender, the purpose of gender, and its relation to your identity is one of those transcendent areas of truth that they have spoken authoritatively on and consistently on all throughout the entire prophetic tradition. Not only the prophetic tradition of the Latter-day Saints, but of the entire Bible. So it's those who act like this is unclear. They want to make it unclear when it comes to the, the fundamental doctrines and principles behind these things. Now, is there challenges in how to apply it? You know, when you have a child who's dealing with same-sex attraction, or you have a child who is experiencing gender dysphoria, like what do you do in that situation? That is challenging. The principles aren't confusing, but how to apply them? Like life's complicated, but they aren't talking about how we apply them. They're challenging the principles themselves. Okay. Two things I want to uh, touch on. Um, and then at the very end of this, I, because the mess, when I, when I shared your YouTube, I can't even tell you how many people sent me messages saying how confusing, what is going on? What is going on? So there's going to be some hope. Like there's going to be some, like, in, in my opinion, like just stay tuned, keep listening. Um, but I want to talk about bigotry because I, I, you know, my, you know, my history, right? Utah's one of Utah's biggest bigots because I didn't want to be in the LGBT parade in my police uniform and I lost my badge and my gun for that. And so since then that that's kind of been become my little label as bigot. And when somebody pops in my inbox and I just start asking questions to them, I just say, okay, well, you know, everybody has a line. Where is your line? Um, Let's talk about bigotry because you're now being called a bigot for the video that you put out. Um, what is your thoughts on bigotry and where everybody has a line? It's funny. Anytime somebody calls me a name or they use these terms, there's a lot of buzzwords out there. First thing I do is I ask them, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean by a bigot? Like I call you, hey, you're a poop head. So like, oh, okay. Like, what, like, I don't care. You're just saying yuck you. Eek, yucky. You're yucky. I don't like that. You are gross. It's like, okay, why? Right? Like, is it is it really bigoted to believe that a man is a man and a woman is a woman? Like, have we got to that point? It's like, yeah, it is. It's like, all right, well, what is a woman? And you realize that these people, like, there's no, there's no actual thought going on here. They're just throwing around pejoratives because... That's what the people around them have told them to say. Mm -hmm. Like these aren't, these are not thoughtful individuals. Now, now my thing is, is I, I would love to talk to those people that think that I'm a bigot, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to like call them names back. I'm going to get really curious. I want to understand, help me to understand your worldview. And maybe you're right. But you know what I find when I do that? I find that these people are so incredibly confused that you start going, it's like the emperor has no clothes. And everyone's running around acting like he has clothes on. And that's what's going on. 
And there's so much social pressure for people to conform that it's like, <laughs> again, I'm always open to if I'm wrong, but you're going to have to make a case as to why. You can't just call me a bigot and expect me to bend the knee. Most people that I speak to, like if I get, you know, a one-on-one -on -one with the people that will contact me or, and, and I can say, okay, here, this is an actual conversation we can have. And you get them either on the phone or you talk to them. Most of them wildly disagree, wildly disagree, but they won't say it that children should be transitioning. Most of them, because they know they inherently know that children there there's, there's a, there's a place where there's a line, right? At 18, right? Because it's the, the consent. Do you want to talk which is, a little which bit is about a, that? Which is an interesting thing. And I agree with that. I'm, I'm fine with 18 being the age of consent, but we do have to admit that. So if we vote tomorrow that adults are 17, that means they're actually 17. So now 17 year olds can consent. Like, That's right. where did we come up with, like, there's a, like, yeah. Anyway, I'll let you I, I, I'm just saying a line, right? So if you believe that children should be able, like they can't consent, children can't consent, then do you believe that children should transition? And most of these people will say, yeah, we shouldn't be messing with kids. That's what happened with Gays Against Groomers. They got canceled and kicked out of the LGBT community because they were asking these questions. And so if you don't believe that or you do, where is that age? Do you believe they can consent at 14, 12, 3? We just saw, I just saw a thing in the, in the mainstream media that said that they now know that they're transgender in the womb. In the womb. This is when they know that they're transgender. So do you uh -huh. disagree that children can transition at three years old? And if you do, are you now the bigot to so many people? Do you see? Yeah. Everybody's a bigot somewhere. Yeah, it's just where is line. where is this line for you? Yeah, for me, it's you should never transition. <laughs> you are you you should well, you, recognize you can't. that. You can't. Yeah, you, yeah, you can't. Well, you can socially transition because the difference between a a, a a social transition, but I would call someone you know if we're going to use proper terminology. There was the term transvestite. Vestite is has to do with vest, like what you wear, and so you're transvestite if you wear different clothes, but you can't be transgender because you can't transcend the gender that you are. And so you're absolutely right. And, and there is, you can ask people that question of, you know, where is that line? Because it's really weird that people will say that a child can't consent to all sorts of different things. I mean, heck, kids can't get cigarettes, can't watch pornography, can't, can't get a, uh, go to a tanning bed Fireworks. without- without the fireworks, there's a million things there. And, and they're really small things, right? You can't, I, you can't give a kid at an elementary school. I don't think you can give them Tylenol without parental consent, depending on the school district, I think. And so, but we're going to say that kids can't consent to those things, mm -hmm. but they can consent to uh, medical procedures that will have a lifelong effect on them. And 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 the and the idea is is that even if the parent approves of it, you can just because the parent approves of it doesn't mean that the child that, that the child uh, that it's okay because I can't approve of my child 
going and having a sexual relationship with 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 someone you know a 14 year old or a 12 year old or something having sexual relationships with with uh, with an adult i can't do that so just because the parent consents society can actually protect children and can say no no one is allowed to do this to the child because the child ultimately can't consent they don't even know what they're getting themselves into, and the parent has no right to impose upon their child something that has lifelong consequences. That that's right. Well, especially when you're changing your, when you're tr when you're self mutilating, right? Yes. Because some people will flip it on you and say, "Well, that's how I feel about baptism. You can't teach your kids about church, right?" I mean, because these are the same people that think you taking your children to church and quote-unquote indoctrinating them, that's child abuse. Remember, these are the same people that think if you take your children to church and they get baptized at eight, you're a horrific person, but yet they're the same people that are advocating for mutilating and chemically castrating children. Well, and all of this comes down to what a person's moral standards are. Like, by what standard are they saying that it's wrong for a child to transition? By what standard are they saying that it's wrong for a child to be taught the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. right? And so the question is, that's really the fundamental disconnect. It's like you guys simply have a totally different moral compass, but this is where you can go even more into the conversation. This is where I go in things on my channel, Thoughtful Faith, is that I go and I ask the question, okay, let's explore those standards and where they came from. So Mr. Woke person who thinks that I'm wrong, like what is the basis for your moral worldview? You say to me that I should not do that. You're even willing to use the government's force to do things against me if I don't comply with your moral standards. And so my question is, is what is, are these just arbitrary or do you actually have something that grounds your moral beliefs? Or is this all just your subjective whims bossing me around? Because I actually have a, a, a standard of morality that, that I can argue for philosophically, but they don't have that. This is arbitrary nonsense. In our, and, and for those of you who aren't Latter-day Saints who might be listening, in, in the Book of Mormon, there is a, 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 a vision that is talked about where a great and spacious building is there and it's mocking the believers. There are people in it. They're pointing their fingers. And in this vision, one of the, the key things about this building is that it doesn't have a foundation. It's floating in the air. And there's a symbol behind that that these people that are our critics— don't actually have a foundation under their 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 feet. By what standard are they saying that we're wrong? Just their own arbitrary, made-up, socially conditioned standard. If they were if they were in Nazi Germany, they'd be Nazis. If they were in Rome, they'd be Romans. They just happen to be born in this era, and so they adopt whatever the whims are of the mob today. It's, it's a it's a religion. It's a it's it's a it's a continuing revelation of cultural currents they have their own for example i just watched this video of salt lake city mayor just it's so sad so sad because there are you know quote unquote trans men that can't go in the bathrooms and locker rooms in salt lake county with little girls so sad these women these feminists see and th yeah. this is it bugs me Let's stop using, and, and I'm not saying to you, but I'm just saying in general, do you see well, how that's the language why, messes that's with That's why I did this. That's why I did the, you know, quote unquote. 
Well, that's, but see, that's, do you see though, and I, and I know I'm not, I'm not talking about you specifically in this case, but do you see how the language changes it? If you were to say, we are really upset that men can't go into kids' locker rooms. <laughs> do you see how that doesn't just roll off the tongue? This is how psychological manipulation happens. You alter the meanings of words. Here's another one that they manipulate. Progress. Okay. I'm a progressive, you know, the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. Okay. By what standard are you measuring justice and progress? Progress towards what? Because if you're saying that we're making progress, you are implying that we are progressing towards something. There's some measurement stick that you're using to say that we're getting closer to something. What is that? Well, it's, uh, it's uh, universal human rights. Okay, where do we get our rights from? What do you mean by rights? What you do when you actually engage in what uh, Socrates did, the Socratic method is based on Socrates, who was known as the gadfly, I think, of Athens. A gadfly annoys people. You know how he'd annoy people? He'd ask them what the heck they meant by the words that they were using. And what he found is that most people have no idea what the heck they're talking about. And so my way of dealing with this sort of an ideology is to start to question its presuppositions. And for Latter-day Saints, it's to look at that building that's mocking you and then to encourage them to look under their feet if they have any basis for what they're saying. And just point at the fact that there's no foundation there. They're just giving their arbitrary opinions about stuff. And that that's all that's happening. This is people's arbitrary opinions bowing to the mob looking to please man rather than to uh, to hold fast to God and to truth. And that's a civilization-wide uh, problem. In 1978, uh, Neil A. Maxwell, he said in a, in a talk called Meeting the Challenges of Today, he said, we are now entering a, a period of incredible ironies. Let us cite but one of these ironies, which is yet in its subtle stages. We shall see in our time a maximum if indirect, or, if indirect effort made to establish irreligion as the state religion. It's actually a new form of paganism that uses the carefully preserved and cultivated freedoms of Western civilization to shrink freedom, even as it rejects the value essence of our rich Judeo-Christian heritage. And then he goes on, he says, Amen. He, he says, brothers and sisters, irreligion as the state religion would be the worst of all combinations. Its orthodoxy would be insistent and its inquisitors inevitable. Its paid ministry would be numerous beyond belief. Its Caesars would be insufferably condescending. Its majorities, when faced with clear alternatives, would make the Barabbas choice, as did a mob centuries ago when Pilate confronted them with the need to decide. <laughs> That is so good. It's so good. It, we're here. That's it. I'm telling you, the, night, the proclamation on the family came out, and I remember when I heard it. I was pretty young at the time, but I remembered, I was like, a proclamation of the world. I remember like my ears perked up. I was like, oh my gosh, like something big. And they're like, are you kidding me? This is the most milquetoast, boring proclamation ever. And here we are now, and it's the most like contested, heated document. It, it, like if you were to release that statement today, it would be like... I feel like today, if they were to, if they, if the proclamation didn't happen and then they released it today, there'd be a significant amount of members of the church that would leave the church today because they made that proclamation. So 
the responses you're getting, and then let's wrap this up here, but the responses that you're getting to your video have been overwhelmed because I went and read the comments of your video. It's got over 30,000 views in a couple of days. Um, amen. I'm so glad somebody said it. I really want to talk about the, those that are in positions of power. So this is why it was, it was so bothersome when I see this Aaron Sherinian as the spokesman for me, why it was so bothersome is because they believe this stuff. They actually believe it. And so when you have a, a somebody in a position, authority, leadership type position, like uh, what's that lady's name? I can't remember her name that you, she brought up the person that identified as queer. Um, oh, um, Sister Eubanks. That's right. This is a big deal because, because when you get people in positions that have these views, that's how... That's how the youth can start to think like, oh, wow, this is okay. I'm going to go over to his social media. Oh my gosh, he's for trans rights. This is why it's so confusing. It's not because look at these bigots. They're wanting to know, you know, because we get called bigots for asking these questions, but I'd like you to talk about why it's important for you to bring this up. Why some, even at BYU, where this guy this professor is saying that it's possible that Jesus was gay with John the beloved and whatnot. Why is this important that you bring it up? So I bring up these things um, for a few different reasons. One, because the brethren have brought it up. Elder Oaks brought it up in a worldwide youth conference that I showed my video. If people watch my video, my video, if anyone is interpreting this is that I have an issue with the brethren, just go watch my video. Every single quote that I have in there from the brethren affirms our doctrine. What I'm pointing out is that we as the membership seem to be disconnecting from the things they do. Even the Aaron Sherinian thing, like people are like, oh, well, do you think the brethren are just incompetent to hire this guy? I say, no, there may be very good reasons. I, I agree. It can be confusing to us. And maybe there should be, you know, we should find out some things about why this is. But Aaron Sherinian has since he had to scrub those social media posts. He removed his pronouns from his LinkedIn bio. Why? Why? But but why would you scrub it? Because probably the, the the brethren were like, "Hey, Aaron, here's the deal. We now now." But yes, some people ask. Well, I was actually just on a. I've been talking to all sorts of people about this, even ex Mormons and anti Mormons and all this stuff. And and I I will always I'm defending the brethren here. I give them the longest benefit of the doubt that can be given here. Because I genuinely believe that they are defending or they are they are trying to do two things. Elder Holland said it best. I made this follow-up video to my video. And Elder Holland, I think when he spoke to BYU about these exact subjects, he gave, I think, the insight into what's going on behind the scenes. He said that the brethren are trying their hardest. They they have spent hours crying and praying over this subject more than any other subject. And they are trying to find out how much they can do to include people who struggle with same-sex attraction and gender dysphoria without crossing the lines. But then there are activists that are taking advantage of that. And he basically said, we have to walk a fine line between loving and, and including and trying to bring in people that are struggling without crossing doctrinal lines. Now, Aaron Sherinian, for instance, 
I could see, and I don't, I have no idea why the church hired him or how much they knew or how much they didn't. And people shouldn't, you know, don't make your decisions based on your speculations. I could see very well how he could have enormous connections that will help the church internationally to grow and that they hired Aaron for those connections, knowing that he has some kind of kooky ideas, but they basically said, look, hey, Brother Sheridan, we know that you have some views that you're going to have to scrub those from your social media and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, but, you know, the, the, the cost benefit analysis was that for the cost of some of his kooky views, don't worry, he has to say what we want him to say. And he, we can utilize his connections, uh, within the world to further the work of the church. Now, again, is that the case? I don't know. I could be totally wrong, but the reality is, is that there are possibilities here. You don't need to look at this and be like, the brethren are wrong. Yeah, and let's I'm leave out, the church. I'm, yeah, that's and that's where I want to go next because, well, do you do you want to talk any more about people like the Oslers, why it's a why it's a big deal, and then we can move on to those of you that are sending me messages of, I did get one like I'm done. It was their last straw. I'm out, and it's like you guys. So we we will talk about that. Do you want to talk about anything else with the guys like the Oslers that are? In my, you got to be careful about going too far with the Oslers because one of my fate, the best, one of the best theologians in our church is uh, Blake Osler, who I encourage okay. everyone to okay. read. Yeah, I'm but sorry. But there is this Richard Osler, Papa Osler, former <laughs> Bishop Osler, who is a radical activist. If you and and the reality is, is that if we start, if we stop, um, if we allow the activists to continue to operate in the church then they're going to continue to confuse people and drive people uh, and and when you and when you're talking activists you're talking about people that are actively going against the plan of salvation right yeah anyone in the church who affirms that a man can be a woman and publicly advocates for that position is engaging in activism against the church anyone who defines marriage and believes that a marriage can be defined morally in any way other than between a man and a woman is acting contrary to the church. And if you advocate for that position, then you're wrong. And I mean that even in the legal sense, if you go out and say, let's redefine marriage. Um, no, that's not okay. Now people will point to, well, the church was okay with the respect for marriage act. Well, what the church basically did, and I agree with the church's decision on that is they recognize that the culture has redefined marriage. You're not going to win that fight through the legal redefinition, like trying to redefine it back. It's not going to happen. And so we will retain our position that marriage is defined as between a man and a woman, but we will, in exchange for us no longer engaging in a fight that we've already lost on the legal level, we're going to exchange that fight for legal protections. It's like, okay. We'll just get out of the political game altogether in relation to this because the boat already sailed. The Supreme Court already redefined it for the land. We're not going to go and create political opposition because it won't further the work of the church. So let them do what they want at this point. We're not going to fight that battle. We're going to retain our definition within the church. But members who are out there thinking that this means that the church is okay with the redefinition of marriage in society, wrong, wrong. And we need to push back on anyone. Remember, marriage is defined 
as between a man and a woman. To say that you have people that are not, that are married, that's like saying, that, oh, I my uncle's a married bachelor. It's like, what? <laughs> it's an incoherent idea. And this is okay to, this is okay to say this in church. Just everybody, everybody listen. You can say these views in church that marriage is between a man and a woman in church. And, and, and I'm getting messages of people that are saying, Hey, we have, we have a man that's in the women's bathroom. It's okay for you to voice your concerns in church. This is where I'm like, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was going to say, but do it in a way that is productive and effective. Um, because, and I think the best way to do that with like a local leader that, that isn't upholding what he's supposed to uphold is to point out what the doctrine is and ask that. And, and, but give them, give them the benefit of the doubt. I know that they're doing their best, but, but ask them, you know, the doctrine is this, that this is a man. Like, let's say that they're referring to this person as a woman in your ward. Say, are they, are they really a woman though? Like really? Because if you believe that this man is a woman, then you're violating the church's doctrines and you're teaching a false doctrine by implication. And that's a problem for church leaders to teach false things that clearly run contrary to church doctrine. If I went in and started teaching the Trinity, then that would be a problem if I was teaching that as though that was that was true. So believe me, the Trinity uh, doctrine... Uh, or 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 what a, what a man and a woman is is as important to Latter Day Saint doctrine as are the nature of God. Well, and I think it, and I think it goes even deeper when when there's a man in a like I have I have three girls right when there's a man in the bathroom with women there that's a problem. And be very wary of people who try and manipulate your language so that's that it doesn't it, so that you can't actually describe what's going on by saying. There is a woman or man in the women's bathroom. And Jordan Peterson is one of my my uh, heroes, uh, I think, um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and he he put out a tweet the other day that honestly, it was it was the most impactful tweet I've ever read because it hit on why this matters. He said, there is no greater lie than saying that a man can be a woman. Once you swallow that camel, no other camel will choke you. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, he's right. He said, um, he said, and that's why they want you to do it. You only have to sell your soul to the devil once. Mm. And it was, it was just that idea that this isn't about bathrooms. <laughs> this isn't about... Uh, it isn't about not liking, like thinking gay sex is gross. It isn't about any of that. It's about truth. Hmm. And when a person says a man is a woman, I have a really hard time believing that person is interested in truth anymore. You brought up satanic and it's, to me, it's like, okay, we believe that God and Satan. Okay. So the two destinations, God wants us to become like him with with an identity with a destiny with with a voice with choices with an eternal posterity that's what god wants satan on the other hand if there is such a thing and if there isn't i don't know why you'd be offended with what i'm about to say 
He doesn't want you to have an identity, no destiny, no purpose, no choices, no gender. This is an, this is, this is a very, very powerful spiritual battle that we are in. And there are two destinations in which we can go. So who are we? Who are you? Okay. Last Jake, Jacob, um, to those that are saying, how can I still go to church? This isn't the church that I grew up in. I got a message. I just got baptized. I don't even know what to say. Like I, how, what do we do? I've been telling people, you know, scriptures, uh, look up DNC 112, uh, 23. There is going to be a cleansing. We know that God is going to cleanse house that we, we know this, this is a pattern. Um, DNC 112, 23 through 28, focus on 27 and 28. Uh, look that up. Jacob, what do you say to people that are saying, I want to leave the church? I've just been telling them just to be the change within. What do you say? I say the brethren are on your side. The doctrines of the church have not changed. The highest leaders of this church, if you think that they're on your side, you're doing that by implication, not by the things that they've actually said. Um the the leaders of the church are trying to do something that every one of us if so all this stuff in it's very easy to talk about what is actually true but it's very hard to deal with it when the rubber meets the road and you have your son tell you that you know they they experience same sex attraction and they're really struggling with it and what are you going to do that's perverse that's terrible shut up you're going to hell for this Ah, no, you're dealing with real people. And the leaders of this church at the highest level, they deal with the worst stories of all, the most heartbreaking stories, because they actually minister to the saints. And if you've ever dealt with one of those kind of situations, like the real meaty ones where someone lost a loved one over these kind of issues, it's gut-wrenching. And the brethren are dealing with that. Go watch what Elder Holland said to BYU. He fully sustains the doctrine. And what he says is that what we're trying to do is to walk a fine balance between not betraying the doctrine and trying to love and do all that we can for these people who are our brothers and sisters. And if you don't care about these people as your brothers and sisters, well, then you're not a Christian. But if you reject the doctrine of Jesus Christ and you value and you stop valuing the truth, you're not a Christian either. We have a tough row to hoe on this one. And the brethren are doing their best on a very difficult topic. And if you want to just throw your hands up and say, you guys are all wrong, even if they are wrong and they made a mistake, extend some freaking grace. Hmm. They are good honorable men. They are sincere. Hold on to them and sustain them as they sort this out, even if they make mistakes. Remember that your prophet, seer, and revelator Joseph Smith lost everybody's money in a bank venture. And everybody, and, and you know what? Most people left. Who's been validated? Hmm. Do not leave the church where are you going to go we the the restoration is real it happened and we are trying our best to go through really difficult times and my testimony and prayer for all of the saints is that 
we can remain faithful to the doctrine, faithful to the church and, and our apostles and prophets that lead us, and be kind and loving to those who struggle with same-gender attraction. And I think that doing all three of those is the path forward.